Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for picking this little podcast. I know there's over 2.3 million podcasts out there, but here we are again, and I appreciate you for being part of this little community. And today, we are going to talk about gratitude. Now, you might think, gratitude? What? I'm always thankful for things. But if you're an employer, you have a company, and you're not showing gratitude strategies around your employees, they might become part of the great resignation. Because you know what? People are sick and tired of not being appreciated. And today, our expert is Lisa Ryan. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, Lisa has a brand new book, and we're going to dive into that in just a second. But first, I have to thank one of the sponsors of today's episode. So today's episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build out their senior leadership teams. Now, if your company is looking to replace one of those senior leadership members, oh my gosh, you don't want to make a mistake. So the smart move is to go to an executive search firm. And if you're looking at executive search firms, you got to put Stanton Chase International on that short list because anywhere in the world, in any industry, Stanton Chase has an expert who can help you. Now, full disclosure, I work with Stanton Chase International, so you can call me directly and I will put you in touch with people who can help you fill that role. All right, so Lisa Ryan is joining us today and she is the Chief Appreciation Strategist at Gratigy. Now, what she does is she helps manufacturers keep their top talent from becoming someone else's top talent. And in today's world, that is a super important, super important topic. And her new book is called uh, Thank You Very Much, Gratitude Strategies to Create a Workplace Culture That Rocks. So Lisa, what made you write this book? It's been a book that has been um, in my mind for several years because uh, with my podcast and the number of audiences that I speak to and clients that I work with, people are just trying to figure out how they can keep people from leaving. And there's so many companies out there that are doing such so much cool stuff that I wanted to have one easy guide for that people could refer to to get some ideas to help them out. So you specialize in the manufacturing industry and you work with manufacturing companies. So, I mean, come on, shouldn't people just be glad they have a job as the boss? Why do I have to be grateful for them? They get a paycheck every two weeks. Do we still hear that attitude in the world of manufacturing? Unfortunately, yes, we do. And that really needs to change because especially with the last two years going through the pandemic and people are really reassessing, is this the person I want to work for? Is this the company I want to work for? 
And if they don't feel valued, acknowledged, appreciated, like they are contributing to something bigger than they are, they're going to leave. And we are in this employee-centric market right now that you don't have the luxury of being able to place an ad and getting several hundred, you know, um, qualified applicants. You're lucky if you get one that may do. So we really need to focus on the people that you have instead of trying to replace them with new ones, because chances are good you're not going to be able to do that very easily right now. Right. Well, even in the best of times, replacing someone is expensive from the standpoint of just finding them, but then training them. And I read somewhere that like one in four people really don't fit. And that means that even if you spend the money to find them, spend the money to train them, one in four are going to leave anyway. So you're better off keeping people and especially people who are top performers. So what's the number one thing that employers could do right now to be able to keep their employees? Start saying thank you. Look, <laughs> catch your catch your employees in the act of doing things well. There's too many times in management that they're trying to fix what's broken. We're focusing on what's going wrong and how somebody screwed up and what bad happened. And when things are going swimmingly or when things are going well, we just kind of expect that. That is expected behavior instead of just doing the opposite. In learning from experience, in learning from when things go wrong, turning that into a learning experience, but really focusing on catching people uh, when they are shining, when they are working with their strengths, when they're contributing, when they're going above and beyond. Um, Because if it's just about the paycheck, that is exactly what you will be getting from your employees and not an iota of effort more. But if they feel valued, they actually become more profitable and you are paying them less money than the value that they are bringing to your organization. So I love that, but there's got to be more to it than just saying thank you more often. Heck, you wrote a whole book. What are some of those (laughs) strategies? What are some of those gratitude strategies beyond just saying the words, hey, thank you very much. What else can companies be doing? Well, and it's being specific. The main thing is being specific because if they're walking around just saying, hey, thanks, great job. It's like, okay, well, what was so great about it? You know, I really noticed when you were on the phone with the Mrs. Smith and she was giving you a hard time, you know, you were so gracious and you were so patient. And, you know, you have a great way with customers. And I just want to acknowledge you for that because now this employee knows that, hey, the boss is paying attention to me when I'm doing things well and they're acknowledging my strengths, So keeping a look at that, personalizing the attention. You know, I talk about it in my programs a lot, the all about me sheet, where you're finding out little things about your employees. You know, what's their favorite candy bar, their favorite gift card, their favorite restaurant. So when they're in the act of doing things well and you want to acknowledge them, you're not going to acknowledge them with one more coffee gift card that they may or may not use, but you're going to personalize that attention, uh, that recognition to the things they like. And it's not that you even have to memorize everything. You know, you keep a little notebook, keep something online, keep some kind of CRM tickler file with your employees that before you go into a meeting with them, say, hey, how was did you, how did Johnny's baseball game do in the tournament? Your employee's going to be like, holy cow, he remembers about my kids? Uh, no, I just happened to look at a piece of paper five minutes before meeting with you. So it's these little things that we are uh, doing sincerely 
and authentically, but we're just creating those personal connections because that's what we are all starved for. And people are leaving if they're not getting it. Well, I do agree with you that when you feel appreciated, you want to be there. And that's true for your employer. It's true in your family, your marriage, other friendships and relationships. It's also true in associations. Like you and I both belong to the National Speakers Association. And, you know, there are some people who have dropped their membership and they said, oh, I I didn't feel like I fit in. Nobody ever made me feel welcome. And other people say like, oh, my gosh, I never in my life have found a family in belonging to an association. And that's within the same organization. So when you find your niche, you find your people and you feel appreciated and welcomed, you're going to stay. And people who don't feel that are going to leave. So that can the both things can happen inside one organization. Can that happen inside a company where some people feel like, hey, I'm part of the team, they appreciate me, and others don't? And and why would there be this disconnect inside one organization? Well, because you have lots of different personalities working together, for one thing. And there are going to be people that you just genuinely like, you know, uh, no matter who they are, no matter what they do, there's something about that person that they like. Maybe they remind you of your best friend in third grade. I don't know. But there's also probably people that work with you or for you that for whatever reason, you've never warmed up to, you know, maybe they remind you of the bully in fifth grade, who knows what goes back, but there's something that that person triggers. So when we take a look at, you know, catching people doing things well, um, sometimes it's a little bit of an effort because maybe you have an employee who you're not able to relate to or is not really well loved within the uh, within the uh, group itself. I know I had one of my clients share a story. They had a woman working with them and everybody could, nobody liked her. It was just like, she was toxic. She was horrible. There wasn't a single friend that she had there. And then what happened is her husband dropped dead of a heart attack and she was left with three small children. And the people who she worked with started reaching out to her. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Is there anything I could do to help? How can we support you? And they really went out of her way, their way to start supporting because of this tragedy. And as they did that, they were saying, huh, you know what? She's actually not that bad after all. And the attention that she was getting, she's like, wow, these people are actually pretty nice. And over time, this did not happen overnight, but over time, she became one of the most beloved people there. So sometimes it's just getting beyond whatever preconceived notions that we have about people to find the good because once you start focusing on and concentrating on the good things that that person does instead of what you don't like about them, your energy changes around them and they can feel it. And now you're opening yourself up to a much better uh, relationship than you may have had otherwise. So I love that story and it sort of probably takes us away from your book, but I want to talk about this a little bit because I know you've seen it. I've seen it a million times where you said, hey, there's somebody that we preconceive and we judge and we're like, hmm, I don't like him. And then over time we get to know them and it's like, oh, they're awesome. My, how they have changed. The person <laughs> probably hasn't changed all that much, but it's when we put effort into getting to know people, when we give people a chance. One of the things I've discovered is that if you haven't talked to somebody in three, four or five years, your impression of them may be wrong because many people, not all, Many people, most people I like to believe, grow and change over time. So I find it interesting inside companies, inside associations and other organizations or just 
in general where people come to an opinion of somebody and they say, oh, she's a box, she's this big, and she's blue, and they put her on a shelf. And they made those assumptions very quickly where to really get to know somebody takes time. We don't get to know somebody in the first three, four, five times we interact them and interact with them. I tell people it can take, you know, 10 or 12 real meaningful interactions before you start to really get the vibe of who a person is. But we pretty much judge everybody we meet on the first couple of times we talk to them. So inside a company, what can we do to foster a culture where people give each other a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, a little bit of a second chance so that they can build a culture where people feel connected and liked and respected and get to that gratitude piece fairly easily. What do you think? Well, one of the stories that I actually share in my book is uh, Manny, with Manny DeSantis. He is the CEO of Valley Fastener Company. And several years ago, he decided that he was going to do stay interviews, which is the opposite of an exit interview, because I personally believe those are a little late. Hey, why are you leaving? Where a stay interview, what Manny did, and he was in charge of three different plants, is he went and had meetings with every single employee to find out, you know, what they liked about working there, what they didn't like about working there, what they would change if they were him. And the first round that he did it, it was as you would expect. People were suspicious. They gave him the answers that they thought he wanted to hear. But then he acted on some of those suggestions and the employees were like, well, he actually cares. So the second round, when he did it again, they were more truthful. And the third time, they were even more so because Manny created a safe space for them to share their ideas. And even with this great resignation that's going on right now, Manny hasn't lost any employees because of that, the culture that he's created. And a lot of it is based on that stay interview. Okay, so I've never heard of this before, but I absolutely oh. love the idea of the stay interview. I'm reminded of one time, I mean, 25 years ago, I worked for an association and the person I worked for was a really horrible boss. And I could, we could fill up the whole half hour with just story after story, internally and externally, how she rubbed everybody the wrong way. And I couldn't handle it anymore. And nobody higher up was going to do anything about it because she was achieving results. So I quit. And I actually, HR was in a different city. I asked about doing a phone exit interview and the head of HR called me and said, the number two person, the COO said, no exit interview because anyone from that region is going to say negative things about this person. And I don't want that to happen. So no exit interview. Well, all of my coworkers were like, oh, what are you going to say in the exit interview? And I shared that. And pretty much everybody ended up leaving very shortly after. So, I mean, the exit interview can have a lot of points, but it also could have someone disgruntled. The COO just assumed I was disgruntled, which I wasn't. It was, you know, I, I was leaving for other reasons as well. But uh, I love the idea instead of exit interviews, which could have, you know, pissed off people, etc. I love the idea of a stay interview because yeah. you really would find out. Now, if this particular organization I just talked about had had a, a tradition of doing stay interviews before this person got out of hand and caused it ran everybody off. People would start to have, you know, sort of some sort of a feedback loop of what was going on. Plus they would know all the good that's going on. So you can then accentuate the good and get rid of the other. So I love this idea of the stay interview. I want everyone who's listening 
who works for a company to start doing that. So how can people embrace the stay interview? Well, you can come up with a list of questions. And actually, if you Google stay interview, you can find questions. But it can literally be as simple as tell me three things that you like about working here. And what that becomes is your fodder now for recruiting new talent because you're getting the actual words of your employees as far as what they like. And if you were me, tell me three things you would change. You know, trying to keep it positive, you know, tell me three things that you don't like about the job. You know, okay, what would you change? Because now you're also empowering people and they're giving you ideas that you can actually act on um, if they would change. So it can be as simple or as complex. I would like to err on the side of it being more simple. But the main thing is, even like with your employee um, interviews and stuff that you're doing, your um, yearly uh, feedback. I'm, I'm completely blanking performance on Performance reviews, yeah. Perfor- yeah, performance reviews. No, the where they're giving their opinion on the company. Anyway, um, but it, it, it's important to act because if you have people come in and they do a big employment survey to see what everybody's going on, And then the employees don't hear back for like eight or nine months. They're like, well, that was a total waste of breath. So when you are doing this, if you are going to do stay interviews, number one, you are becoming the master of the poker face. So no matter what that employee says for you, your only response is thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. That's it. You're neutral because if you fight, if you justify, if you do anything to downplay the information that they are sharing with you, they will never share again. And yes, are you going to have disgruntled employees whining to you? Uh, Yes, you will. And if you look for that little morsel of truth in all of that complaining chances are good that if you're open to it, you'll probably find something that you can make a minor adjustment and and completely change that employee's experience. So if you're the boss and you're doing these stay interviews, don't get defensive. Just take the information. Correct. Nice. I like that. I like that. It's funny because you said just go Google a stay interview and you'll find all kinds of things about it. I'd never even heard of such a thing before. So thank God for your book. Because your book has now exposed me and everyone who's listening. There's a whole chapter listening. on it. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you. There's a whole chapter goodness. and a bunch of questions. So that right there is a reason to go to Amazon and get it. Everybody, for nothing else, you want to be holding the stay interviews and she'll show you how to do it right. Hey, Lisa, I've got more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Lisa Ryan. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that many of you do, Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this podcast. All right. So, Lisa, you've mentioned a couple times that we're in the middle of this great resignation. Why is that happening? 
You know, it's, it's funny because my husband is actually part of that great resignation. Um, at 59 years old last year, he was furloughed for eight months. And during that time, he realized he'd been with that company for 13 years. But what he realized in the time of being away is nobody ever said thank you. He was never caught. It was only what he did wrong. It was never what he did right. And even though the company did lots of cool things on paper, you know, it was uh, St. Patrick's Day. They would bring in corned beef and cabbage for the entire plant. In the summertime, they took the entire company um, to Cedar Point, which is our amusement park, roller coaster capital of the world. So, They did these big things, but it was the little day-to-day. And then they got bought by a venture capital firm. So then, of course, it went down from there. But Scott had had started interviewing while he was furloughed, but so was everybody else. And, you know, besides a whole lot of age discrimination going on, nothing was happening. And Scott got called back to work in December. Cool. Was back to making money, back to having our benefits. But because we had updated his LinkedIn, he was still getting occasional calls. And he, one of those, those jobs, uh, calls turned into a job offer the day before his 60th birthday. He accepted a job. And I, and it's so funny because they say happy wife, happy life. And I will tell you what, happy husband, happy wife, because (laughs) it's so nice. By the way, there's no rhyme for that. Happy husband, happy husband. Yeah, it's just, I mean, but the two weeks into his job, he came, he came home, he called me like stunned. And he's like, somebody from the sales department walked in and thanked me for helping them out with this project. I'm like, well, honey, that's normally what companies do. But he had never heard that before. So just these little things like his boss is always, you know, sending him a little text and congratulating him. And, you know, they just do these little things on the day to day. So the little things done consistently actually have more impact than the big things done rarely. Um, so people are like with Scott. Scott only has, you know, six to eight more years of, of working um, and so he could have stayed 13 years. He'd already had in there, thought he was going to end his career. But he was like, do I really want to be miserable for the next <laughs> six to eight years? Uh, no. And a lot of people are doing that. We're losing lots of women right now who are deciding that, you know what, I'd rather stay home with my kids and save the money on daycare than going to that horrible place to work. Um, we're seeing, we're just seeing it everywhere. And we're also seeing this whole thing. I mean, if, if people don't feel connected from day one or actually T minus day one, they're ghosting you first day. They're ghosting you at lunch where they're just not showing back up because you didn't make that connection. So creating the type of workplace culture that keeps your people, but also when you do have new people join you, that immediately they feel connected and they found a home. So I love that story about Scott and his new boss thanking him and be like, what? What are they thanking me for? One <laughs> one time years ago when I was in sales, I worked for a company and this is pre-internet that shows you how old I am. And so this was in the <laughs> early 90s. And every Friday we had to call our sales numbers in to the headquarters of the company, which was in Memphis. And this was a great company to work for. And the guy at the top, I mean, you could have probably put him in your book because he definitely appreciated his employees. However, the receptionist answered the phone one time and I asked for the CFO because that's who I had to call my numbers into. And she said, oh, before I patch you through, thank you. And I said, for what? 
And she goes, well, you were number one salesperson last week. And I had been, and there was like 20 salespeople. So it was a big deal. Every week that you were number one, they, they made a big deal of it. But she said, you were, you were number one last week. And I'm like, okay. She goes, well, I'm thanking you because because of your hard work, I get a paycheck every two weeks and I love working wow. here. She goes, and if it wasn't for the sales team, I wouldn't have a job here and I like it here. So I always say thank you to whoever the top salesperson is. And she made that a thing. If you were constantly in the top, she always thanked you for the work you did so that she would have her job. And I thought, you know, I don't think ever before or since I've worked anywhere where the receptionist thanked the people who brought in the basic revenue numbers. Uh, and that all came from the the way the boss looked at everybody in the company. So uh, yep. I loved that story because I remember being like, wow, that is a that is a real that is a real good culture right there. All right. So Lisa, I've only got you yep. for a few more minutes here. When we think about everything that's going on in the workplace and we think about your book, thank you very much. What's one other thing you wish every business leader, everyone at the C-level knew and did? To really, we're, I'm going to just go back to catching your people in the act of doing things well. When you walk through the plant, when you walk through the office, say hello to people, make eye contact, Ask them how their day is. Find out a little bit about them. Get to know your people. Maybe you'll have a few people that don't want you there to be, you know, they have a line between business and personal that they won't share. But most of your employees want to be seen. They want to be known. They want to be acknowledged. So just getting out of your comfort zone, having those conversations, making those connections, and helping your employees feel valued that is how you're going to keep your top talent from becoming someone else's. Ah, that is that is awesome. All right, so Lisa Ryan, if people want to find out more about you, they want to find your book, how do they do that? They can go on Amazon. There's a Kindle version and the trade paperback. Thank you very much. Gratitude Strategies to Create a Workplace Culture that Rocks. I am also prolific on LinkedIn. You just have to do Lisa Ryan at Gratitude because there's, you know, thousands of Lisa Ryans on LinkedIn. And then my website is lisaryanspeaks.com. Awesome. And if you're a manufacturing company or you're part of a manufacturing association and your group has not brought Lisa Ryan in to speak, how did you miss the boat? You guys need to call Lisa Ryan. All right. Thank you very much for being here, Lisa. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every episode. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do the podcast? And this is episode, I think, 712. I've been doing this for seven and a half years. We have interviewed amazing people who know how to shake things up in the world of business. So make sure you're telling all your friends to tune in and listen, because here's the thing. Word of mouth is still one of the most powerful ways anybody can market. And for a podcast, that is the number one way. Everyone I talk to who listens to this podcast or any of the others that I host, and I say, how did you find my little show? They always say, my mother, my brother, my boss, my coworker, somebody told them, check out this show. So before the day is over, go tell somebody about making waves at sea level. And do me a favor, Tune in. In just a couple days, we're going to have an interview with somebody who knows how to splash things up just like Lisa Ryan and go out there, flex your own business muscles. Make sure that you're showing plenty of gratitude. And while you're out there doing all this stuff, have some fun along the way. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.